Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Greetings, Grapple fans, and a warm welcome to episode 116 of the Pro Wrestling Index here on the AI Podcast channel. I am your host, Andy Wales, and not only am I joined by my usual uh, audio tag team partner, Guy Drinkle, but tonight, Guy, or today even, our head-to-head becomes a triple threat because we've got Tadewa with us as well, haven't we? How how are you doing, Tadewa? Yeah, not too bad. Glad to be called up from developmental. Uh, hoping it's not an EC3 call-up, uh, maybe something more more prevalent than that. You've already said more than EC3, so don't <laughs> worry about that. <laughs> oh, so, Guy, we're, here, we're, we're ready to talk about NXT TakeOver, talk about the Royal Rumble. We watched it all last night, all seven hours of it. Um, yeah. Awful lot to discuss, but we've got to cram it all into less than an hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's crack on. And little, <laughs> yeah, and a little hint there to the WWE. Start cramming things into a shorter time period, yeah? Pre-show, one-hour tops, main event, uh, you know, your main card, less than four hours, please. Four hours, absolute tops. You don't need that long. So, right, first things first. Normally, we go chronologically, and we, we just do, the, you know, it's the way that we do things. But I want to mix it up a little bit tonight because, obviously, it's the Royal Rumble. It's a massive, massive thing. So we'll do the Rumble matches first, and then we'll go back in to take over. Then we'll do the Royal Rumble event. And at the end, what I want to get from you guys is a decision what event did you think was better, TakeOver or Royal Rumble? But we'll get to that at the end. So anyway, Royal Rumble matches. First one up was the Women's Royal Rumble. And Tadiwa, how did you enjoy this, especially compared to last year? Because it was a very, very different sort of feel to it to last year's Royal Rumble, uh, Women's Royal Rumble event. Yeah, obviously, some of the girls had you know some experience from last year, which they were trying to draw from. Um, I thought, as a whole, the... The in-ring of the Rumble itself, I think the first third to first half of it wasn't as clean as maybe you'd like a a, a Rumble to be. Um, there were a few spots that were um, hit, a, hit a miss. Um, I know at the beginning, like Leia Evans, um, she, she didn't quite get the kick up at the, at the beginning. 
Um, but there were a few of those spots. But I think the storytelling of how this um, rumble crescendoed and how it ended, I thought was way better than than the men's one. Mm. Uh, and Guy, I, I guess what I was alluding to there is last year, it being the first ever Women's Royal Rumble, I think mm. it was it was only right that there was a lot of nostalgia pops in there, a lot of appearances because it, it was quite a it was a, a historic event. This year, I think for me, it was absolutely the right thing to do in terms of n- nothing on the nostalgia side of it really. All about the here, the now, and the future with a lot of NXT in there as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I think that's the main takeaway from it. I think. Other than me, <laughs> predicted predicted the winner. Tried to be different. Um, that that didn't work. Um, it it was kind of good in parts, and I, I definitely agree with the decision not to have any nostalgic acts in there. There was no Michelle McCool's or Karen Kelly's and all that. I mean, you could you could obviously forgive if Trish and Lita were in there because they're they're different levels, aren't they? But um, no, I mean there were some faces in there you would you, we didn't even consider talking about. Some people I don't even know who the hell are, but I mean, fucking outdid Kofi Kingston, the crazy little thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I agree with what today was said. I thought um, the start to the maybe two thirds, it was a bit meh in patches. Um, Lacey Evans after. Probably a nervy start. I think it is the first match. Um, she kind of grew into it. Kind of, you kind of got a bit of reaction, especially when she was facing off with um, Charlotte. And um, yeah, it was just a bit weird how some of the younger ones I thought went out rather like Nikki Cross, for example. I think she went out way too early because I mean, when she came in, she kind of added a bit of life to the match. Probably from that point on, it got a bit better and then dulled a bit when she went out. Uh, but there, there were some really. I think there were some really cool moments in there, and um, the ending. I, <laughs> let's not talk about Lana's acting, but uh, the ending was really cool. And um, as soon as it got down to them two, and oh, well, there was loads of fear. Obviously, you had the you had your double ending shout, um, double finish shout, I, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, how long ago was it when I when I mm. first suggested that we could have double winners? I thought maybe they'd go for that. It would be an interesting thing to do, uh, and I. I've got to tell you, I, I thought it was happening. I thought it was happening. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, it would have made sense, but I mean, I think I think this has been one of the criticisms. I think the women's match should have went on last, and then it would have been a huge moment. But um, yeah, it was, still, it was still good, and I agree with today. It was probably better than the men's overall. Mm, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, today, where I thought it was interesting as well, as, as Guy mentioned, they had Lacey Evans up against Charlotte, and, you know, often Charlotte she kind of towers over most of the women, you know, physically she, she's taller. She just looks bigger, stronger. Lacey Evans looked the match where, and, and Rhea Ripley too. It was kind of just visually, it was kind of interesting to see a couple more women in there of a similar stature to Charlotte. And, and I'm just thinking some of them people that we're seeing that, that there's, it's almost like a little taster there for the future. Some of the things we could potentially look forward to into a year, two years, maybe down the line. Yeah, it's quite a tasty prospect, and I, I and I think it's obviously credit to WWE for the scouting that they have done, that you get women like Rhea Ripley in who is still quite young, um, and she recently had a, a an awesome match against Tony Storm at the UK Takeover. Um, I think as you mentioned, Lacey Evans squaring up with Charlotte Flair. I think they did subtly have a, a few square ups and a few eliminations that I'm hoping they call back to. 
it might not even be over the next couple of weeks, but at some point in time, there are some some things that were seeds that were planted in this rumble, especially with the women's one, where they could call back and create matches or some sort of rivalries from them. Yeah, it's it's it it's been a I think credit to them. It's it's been some good booking throughout that event and especially through that rumble. Uh, like you said, last year. Lots of nostalgia um, pops in there, which was totally understandable. This year, none at all. I think from now on, we might get the odd one, like one or two more, like the normal, the uh, the the normal, the men's um, Royal Rumble, uh, and that'll become kind of the norm. Uh, and that for me is fine. It's a it's a nice, it's it's just nice to see how it uh, kind of evolves. Uh, and one thing, guy, as well is I know we mentioned it. We 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 were live uh, during. We were live tweeting and, and we were all over WhatsApp while it was going on. Um, mentioning about the crowd, how they didn't seem very loud and whatnot. Mm. But I think it was maybe the way they were mic'd up and the fact that it was such a big arena and it was open. Because I've seen a couple of videos since that when Becky actually won from in the crowd, the reaction was huge. There was a massive pop. So maybe it's just that kind of thing, you know, such an open arena that the you know the noise lifts and leaves uh, and it is it's harder to mic. Possibly, I think it was kind of an inc- inconsistent crowd. If anything, um, mm. it, I think obviously having two rumbles that can take it out of you. Um, obviously, we'll get into the actual card. The first match was quite stellar. Um, went into the weird tag team match, which I imagine you've got a good good amount of few minutes to talk about there, Andy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the crowd was weird. I think this is probably the first one at a baseball stadium. I mean. I didn't realise stadium, baseball stadiums were that fucking massive. <laughs> it looked huge, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a weird one. I obviously, Arizona. I know it would have a mix of everyone kicking about, kind of like a WrestleMania crowd. But Arizona is not exactly a hotbed of uh, wrestling fandom, is it? So, might it might be a bit of both if the mic and then the casual fans not performing as people would at a WrestleMania, for example. But um, yeah, I mean. The crowd was probably one of the most negatives of the uh, weekend, but outside of that, wasn't too much bad. No, and it was, as I say, it was a nice pop. So uh, good, good to see uh, to uh, to see Becky come out on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about what about the men's one then? Because I think in the end, it was it was slightly predictable. I mean, most of us expected Seth Rollins to come out the winner. However, I still think it's the right call and. I mean, I can I can go back to the whole Attitude Era thing and Austin won Rumbles and you'd expect Austin to win, but it was still good because it was still the right thing to do at the time. So, it, you know, we, we do like surprises, but sometimes predictability, it, do, it doesn't matter as long as it's done right. And, and I think Rollins coming out on top was absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um... It's definitely the right choice. I think the way they did it was possibly a bit power. Um, I think the fact that the last four, you could only see two of them winning, and the fact that Braun's obviously been booked so poorly and kind of been brought back down to earth after his mega push, it, you never really saw him winning. Who was it? Was it Andrade and Ziggler? God, why why was Ziggler the fucking last four again? Um, but yeah, it's... The the ending, I think, 
I think it was, I can't remember what, I might have seen it on Twitter. I mean, it's a good point. I think they could have kept, like, Drew in for a bit longer because he was obviously one who you could think, yeah, you could see him winning it. But I think they just kicked out a few too many people who you could actually genuinely see winning it to make it less obvious. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm delighted Seth won because it's going to be fucking mint. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it kind of felt a bit flat in comparison to the women's ending. Mm, uh, to do with it, did you find that the ending was a little flat? Or, uh, like you say, I mean... It, it was quite predictable in terms of Rollins winning because I think everybody really expected it, but you, you think it was the right call? Yeah, I, I think it was the right call in terms of um, Rollins being the, the eventual winner. But as we saw in the women's one, predictability isn't a bad thing when it's done well. Um, most people would have you know, thought either Charlotte or Becky was going to win. Um, and there were obviously a fair few shots of Becky finding her way into it, especially after having lost to Oscar. Um, earlier in the in the evening but it was still done so well that you you go along with the ride whereas i thought in the men's one as guys alluded to the final four it it didn't really inspire much other than this is going to be seth rollins winning this it was just now a matter of how he was going to win it um yeah i think the drew shout is, is a good one he should have probably stayed in a bit longer and then Overall, in terms of that, the the men's rumble itself, I think um, I don't I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I thought the the Kofi Kingston spot was oversaturated, oh, probably God. due yeah. to the first that you know the the women's rumble. Yeah, Casey Catanzaro, she she was a machine in terms of how she, you know, she did everything she could to stay in the rumble. You had um, other people as well. I think Ember Moon did a, a Kofi throwback, and then. Mm. You know, so everyone had already done that type of stunt. And then you see now the men's rumble and Kofi had two, which I didn't think, you know, by that time I was, I was pretty over that, that move. I think they need to temper that down a bit and maybe select one or two people to give that spot. Mm. Uh, something else in there. I mean, we mentioned the time at the top of the show, you know, the amount of time that, that the event ran for. And and I and I'm guessing that it was actually running over by the time the men's rumble was on because it, it certainly wasn't uh, two minutes between entrance. We got to the point where during the last sort of uh, sort of five to eight people coming in, it was it was every sixty seconds. So do do you think that maybe impacted a little bit on the quality as as we came towards you know the the final third of the rumble? I, I think we've seen that though in in previous years where it it wasn't having two rumbles; it was just the one rumble being the men's rumble where they've doctored the the whole you know time time limit of when people come in depending on how the pace of the match is going so for me I'm I am kind of used to that so I I didn't think it was that big a problem it was just the specific storytelling itself I mean you have guys like Kurt Angle Hall of Famer who he basically didn't do much in that match and and you would think they would want to build some of these guys up so they can you know, then then pass pass it over to some of maybe the newer guys coming in. Yeah, I, I just thought maybe it was a little bit rushed. The guy, I mean, today was mentioned there, Kurt Angle. We we didn't get too many uh, nostalgia lookbacks, but we yeah. did get a lot of filler in this rumble, though, did we? Really, I, and it's look, I, I understand people getting a chance, and you know, the, there's different types of spots to fill, but some of these guys it's like what really was the point of bringing them out for them to to get eliminated in the space of a minute to two minutes it, mm. i don't know you just i'm not sure i, I don't know I'm, maybe i'm just being a bit picky um watching it live i, I was the same i was feeling the same as you i'm just thinking 
Apollo Crews, I think he came out like in the last ten. Ziggler came out in the last five. No way, Jose. Um, that was tight, awful. Yeah, Titus O'Neil. I, I know why they put him in, but I mean, Jesus, you're never going to recreate that moment. Even if you could do him a hundred times, you're never going to do it again. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was quite a lot of fill up, but I think it's fair to say WWE has a shed load of injuries. I mean, we were speculating in the WhatsApp group before on like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. I thought they were closer because of that vignette thing they did a few weeks ago. But Nathan told me that Sami, especially, is miles away. Maybe Jason Jordan coming back, Bray Wyatt. Even that, I mean, Bray Wyatt's like barely anyone's cup of tea. But it'd be more interesting than a couple of the names I mentioned. But I think the best thing, or not the best thing, um, the good thing about the filler is. It kind of helped get some of the younger lads over. Um, it's a I fair th- point. Yeah, I think obviously Alistair Black probably had the biggest moment. I think he eliminated Dean Ambrose. Um, it's just a shit. I can't remember who eliminated uh, got eliminated by Corbin. Uh, it was one of the good ones. Um, but I think he saw with Alistair Black and Pete Dunne, they seem to get the best reaction. Johnny Gargano, I think the crowd was just dead then. It was a real shame, because that could have been a huge moment if it was in a tighter arena, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that there's so many injuries to kind of give a chance to filler to do their role, but also give a lot of chance to the uh, NXT talent, and that's probably the most we've seen in, in a in a um, Royal Rumble, or to my knowledge it is. I mean, what did we have? We had Alistair Black... Uh, Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano. Um, I'm probably forgetting someone. <laughs> They're the only ones I can think of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, today, well, what did what did you make of that then? Gargano, Alistair Black, and and Pete Dunne being a part of the Rumble. Um, a positive few because I'm a little mixed on using Alistair Black in the Royal Rumble like that myself. Yeah, it was an interesting one. I, I think. With Pete Dunne, I'm pretty sure he he was pretty nailed on to come in, considering you know the the two to three years he's had at at um with WWE, he he's held that UK championship for so long, and I think it was just a way to to obviously reintroduce him to maybe more of the casual fans that don't that don't get as exposed to him as as some others may. And in terms of the other ones, like you mentioned, the Johnny Gargano's. Um, I, I I don't know if WWE did enough, perhaps to to put them over, and maybe that's something that needs to be looked at with regards to the commentators. But like you said, I think it was um, it was Baron Corbin that knocked out Alistair Black, and it it just fell flat for me for for some of those guys. But maybe if if the thinking, I'm trying to think from their perspective, they're just thinking get these guys some reps in these types of matches or, you know, maybe tipping the cap to the likes of Gargano who have had a stellar year and just saying, you know, this is a reward for, for the year that you've had. Yeah. I, I just for myself, I think rather than Alistair Black, I like, for me, it's about the mystique of the character. And I think would have been better you saving Alistair Black and using Vig, uh, Vignettes to, to introduce him and, and give that spot to Velveteen instead, you know, get him introduced to the casual audience. Uh, I just, it, that's just my preference. I think that for the mystique side of it with Alistair Black, I think that would have perhaps been a better way to bring him in rather than we've seen him now. And that's it. And, and like you said, you know, he was, he was eliminated by Baron Corbin. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, right then. So they're, they're rumble matches. Let's get into takeover then. 
Um, overall takeover, did you guys enjoy it uh, to do? I'll let you. I'm, I'll let you have your your say in it first. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, in terms of rankings of takeovers, it's probably not up there for me. But I, I think we're probably grading takeovers um, on a curve at the moment because they seem to knock it out the park every single time. And, you know, it's not to say that it was a bad takeover, but I just think it was good, but not as spectacular as the, the previous takeovers I've seen. But it was interesting to see maybe from a casual fan's perspective because uh, my girlfriend watched it with me. And she barely watches any wrestling at, at, if anything, she watches UFC more than, than wrestling. But she seemed to really, really enjoy even getting involved with some of the chants that the, the fans were singing. So it, it seems like it's one of those shows that is fun, especially for the hardcore fans, but it can also be fun for the casuals as well. Yeah. And Guy, I mean, you know, obviously we, we love the takeover events. Um, the opening match was, was, a, was a great match, but, I don't know about yourself. I wasn't particularly taken by the whole War Raiders entrance. I think it just went on way too long. I think it could have been good if it was if it was shortened a bit more. It just felt so dragged out, and I was like, "Oh, just can you guys just please come out already?" No, no, I was the opposite of you, Andy. I mean, I know you watched like two hundred hours of wrestling in a row, which probably didn't help you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, no, I was maybe I, a bit grumpy last night. Yes, you were. You were <laughs> lack of sleep, Andy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I no, I, I thought it added to the added to the moment. Um, I, I kind of liked it, and uh, the match itself, uh, fantastic. Um, the whole show. Um, it's weird judging takeover because I mean. I'm not saying they all get blended into one, but you kind of think of the uh, the rivalries rather than the individual matches. And they, this just continued on from last year flawlessly for me. Um, the storytelling in NXT, I mean, I don't watch a lot of um, wrestling outside of the WWE, but this is some of the best storytelling in terms of wrestling I've ever seen. Um, just the fact that it's kind of gone full circle with um, the, the with Gargano and Ciampa and the... the Undisputed era seem seem to be at the end of their cycle, um, and but uh, it's just I thought it was a brilliant night. Three world class matches for me, a couple dodgy ones, but we'll get to them. Yeah, you mentioned the world class one. Certainly, certainly the 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 tag team was to do. Uh, do you enjoy that opening match, that tag team match? And say, a guy mentioned your world class match. I, I thought it was fantastic as well. It was such a great way to open open the show, and and, and I think. You can see the contrast between the main roster and NXT in that the tag team division is so heavily featured in NXT and, and they seem to do it right. And unfortunately for some of the tag teams that get called up from that group of tag teams, they seem to not be able to produce the level of you know matches that they're producing at NXT. Um, I thought the it, it was a good blend of having, you know, the the technical quick guys in Undisputed Era against the machines, you know, the War Raiders. Um, the one grab I had with the match, and it wasn't even to do with the match itself, um, it was actually with the Undisputed Era's entrance. For some reason, the cameraman, whoever was working the cameras, they missed the air guitar. And I was just, I, you know, you can't miss Kyle O'Reilly's <laughs> air guitar. That, that for me makes like it. you know Undisputed Era's entrance. And I, I, I jump up and I've got my air guitar, you know, and... Now I'm worried. What is you know? You can't have him playing just an air guitar without the belt. It's going to be a sad sight. 
<laughs> but besides <laughs> that, I, I thought the, the match itself was really good. There were great feats of strength um, from both of the War Raiders, some athleticism thrown in there as well, which was quite impressive. And probably the entrance um, gave me the feeling that War Raiders were winning because they, they seemed to be one of the only ones, if not the only ones that did have some sort of special uh, entrance during the night. Yeah, it was it, it was certainly special. I just think it, it dragged on a little bit too long, but um, it, it was. I think it was sure it would have been great, but yeah, great match. What about um, uh, Cassius Ono and Matt Riddle then, uh, Tadiwa? Because I was, yeah, I, I was a bit kind of halfway house with this one. I thought it, it was okay. It had some good spots, a bit of a brutal finish. I, I'm just, I just struggled to connect with this Cassius Ono character. And I'm not really sold yet on Matt Riddle as a character. Yeah, it it will be interesting to see. I think he's a very Matt Riddle is a very unique and you know alternative sort of, sort of wrestler who his characteristics might not rub off well um, with with many fans. And I'm not sure how they'll be able to blend him into the main roster. Perhaps NXT is where he's. He's really gonna, you know, fly, and then maybe they might tailor it once once he's starting to go up to the the main roster. But in terms of him as a as a guy, this is a guy that blew through the tryouts for WWE almost two, three, I think three years ago or so, and you know WWE just didn't pull the trigger on signing him because of the the history Matt ha- Matt has had with you know marijuana, and the moment now he he comes into WWE, he's still the same guy. He's very aloof. Very, you know, the flip flops had um, my girlfriend in tears. We, I think, we replayed that about five times. But um, in terms of once he gets in the ring, the thing I like about him is he can go in the ring. He's very, very um, physically strong. He's very aggressive. I do like this aggressive side of him, and I think it plays well to the fact that he is a former MMA guy. You know, I think he was on a four fight win streak before he left the UFC. So if they can bring in this sort of aggressive nature to him blended with the jovial, you know, lighthearted surfer dude type of character that could blend and mesh well. Um, yeah, that, that's how I see. And then in terms of Cassius owner, I just think he hasn't lived up to the hype he had um, when he had left for the independent scene and has come back. I really haven't seen that spark in him, but um, I might be wrong. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and guy, you mentioned you know there were three world class matches, a couple of uh, dodgy ones. With with this being your dodgy one, he bit a bloke's toe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's some people out there really dig that. Oh Jesus! Um, <clears throat> I ch- this match was it was it's not a bad match. It's just the fact that it's on a takeover sur- as as, a, as we keep mentioning, surrounded by three possible match of the year contenders and as to do mentioned Cassius Ono since he's came back he's not really connected I mean obviously you don't want to judge people on how they look and stuff but he's not really he doesn't have that WWE look and you kind of just look at him and just go hmm if you went on the main roster Vince would fucking hate you um, so there's not really you can't really see a future from there. Obviously, I, I know his reputation was looking sparkling on the independent scene and stuff like that, but I've not really seen anything of him. I'm not obviously the booking of him hasn't helped. I think he's five and all on takeovers and stuff like that, and he's not really had um, the length of match to sparkle. But 
you've seen sometimes you've seen sometimes people have a 10 15 minute match and it's just mental whereas this it was kind of just weird and um obviously it kind of just built up Matt Riddle as this fucking badass who <laughs> tried to bludgeon someone to death with his elbows <laughs> making him tap out <laughs> um but yeah, I kind yeah. of I, I kind of agree with the Matt Riddle point. It'd be kind of interesting to see how his character develops because if his gimmick is going to continue to be a fucking machine version of Zack Ryder, I don't think it's going to translate that well. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how he develops. Yeah, yeah, it was it was certainly different, and it was a bit mental and brutal and all the rest of it. What about the women's championship match then, Guy? Was this another one that fell into the uh, <clears throat> the dodgy category because? I think Bianca Belair has star quality all over mm. her. Obviously, it's very, very early in her career, and she, there's a lot. There's still a lot of polishing to be done, but I, I think it kind of showed how far Shayna Baszler's come. Uh, that she she's looking more and more polished and more and more impressive, to my mind. Anyway, I think she's ready ready for main roster. But yeah, it, it this was a kind. It, it was. I don't know. It was a it was a weird one. It wasn't it as t- terms of feature match. It wasn't at the the quality you'd normally expect from a takeover. But I think it was almost like this was just an opportunity to feature Bianca Belair and get her there, so you're ready for what could be coming in the future. Yeah, that's probably the best way of putting it. I mean, I've I've not hidden this on any other reviews we've done a takeover. I'm not Shayna Baszler's biggest fan, but on this one, you could see she was the one trying to take charge. I mean, uh, this is, it's probably a mistake them doing it, but you could see her talking Bianca through it when when they were like uh, in the uh, rear naked choke and stuff like that. You could see her talking what to do next. And um, especially on the finish, you could say, see her like saying, pick me up and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just kind of a bit a level below. I mean, I think she, I think it's fair to say Shada Baszler's best matches were probably with Kyrie saying and I didn't like the Ember Moon ones and it kind of reminded me a bit like that and um it was uh it was just a bit weird and I've not really seen much of Bianca Belair and it's just a bit weird seeing someone slap someone with hair and cut cut someone open with diamondies in someone's fucking hair. Um, but yeah, it was, I, was, I thought it was a nice spot that actually because I, I think it's one of the things. It's a memorable takeaway, isn't it, from from the match? Yeah, kind of, kind. Of. I quite I like your shout at the start. To be fair, it's just it's kind of getting Bianca Belair on the scene, um, and see, and hopefully in it in possibly the end of this year or next year or whatever, you can kind of, you see her in a title picture and she's, she's developed a lot, but there was a couple of weeks, but I mean, when um, Bianca had the, the pinfall where she could have won, the finish had kind of looked shit. <laughs> Let's be honest, it looked shit and it looked weak. And um, yeah, it may, it may have just been the expectation. I never really expected Shayna to lose. Whereas you come into these takeover matches and you can think anyone can win these matches. And in this one, you kind of just thought, Shane is going to win a hundred percent, so it might that might have affected it a bit for me. Yeah, what was your take on it uh, to do? A... Yeah, I thought it was a difficult match for Bianca, because um, if you if you look at her history in NXT, a lot of the time she's been, in fact, all of the time she's been the dominant, you know, force that just runs through people, and then now for the first time in her, you know, TV career, she's being asked to to work from underneath 
Um, and obviously, we know that the, the style of WWE is to to have the baby face working from underneath. And I think she struggled a bit with that. And I think that's understandable, considering, as, as I mentioned, she hasn't worked like that um, from all of his, her, her short career so far. So that obviously is something that she can take and learn from and grow from. And I think if they play that into the storyline, um, we have mentioned earlier that NXT are very good at storytelling. If she is able to now tell that story of, you know, I've been so dominant and I was so used to just running through everyone. Then I came, you know, to to meet this Shayna Baszler who seemed to take all of the offense I was giving and, I, I, you know, I, I came undone and I came unstuck. I wasn't used to this situation. And then we can see her, you know, grow from that and eventually take the title off of Shayna Baszler at some point in time. I, I do think she's probably the one that's going to take it from Shayna Baszler before Shayna goes up to the main roster. And I think there's a story to be told there. Um, but as in terms of the match itself, yeah, I, I thought she struggled just because it's not a familiar place for her. Um Shayna did have to coach her through the match quite a bit. And yeah, it, it it probably wasn't as big a match as we've seen in terms of the women's championship match, but it's one that they could really bring an interesting story from. And I'd rather trust NXT than the main roster to bring a story out of something like this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think there was certainly nerves played a part with, uh, with Bianca in there, but uh, two ex- inexperienced girls... Um, but I think both have both have got a future. One, obviously, Shayna Baszler with her age, maybe not a long, long future. But I think Bianca Belair's got a long, long, big future ahead of her. Uh, today, well, what about what about Johnny Gargano and a Ricochet? Talk to me about this match because I, I just thought this this was incredible. There are just so many great spots in this, and and I I struggle when I look around the rost- the main roster. I struggle to see more than four or maybe five guys who could have lived with these two at this pace of what they were doing. I mean, the pace was just incredible. Um, I, I, I like the fact that they started off with a really, really technical side of the game. Um, I thought it was a an ode to the fact that they've they've been working, you know, um, all around the world together for for I think they mentioned it, uh, you know, ten years or so. They've been working together, and you would expect people that have been working with each other for 10 years to have that first little bit of the match where they, they're countering each and every one of their grappling moves. And I thought that was a nice little nod for, for those that do know the story behind Ricochet and Gagano, that these guys actually do know each other. Whereas in WWE, it seems to be, you know, you didn't have a, a, a past before you even came to WWE and they'll, they'll pin it as though these, this is the first time these guys are fighting. And, you know, Ricochet even mentioned it. I think, at one point in time when he was picking up Gargano, he said, am I going to get the real Gargano? Which kind of Gargano am I going to get? Um, so that, I thought that was really beautiful. Um, Ricochet is just a machine. He's like Spider-Man. Um, the moves that he does in the ring are so impressive. And to have someone like Gargano who can keep up with him just makes Ricochet like 10 times better because he knows he can pull off amazing moves and Gargano will either be there, you know, to to work off of him and and bounce off of him in, in such an incredible way. And then the storytelling of this match probably typifies how Johnny Gargano has been, you know, the, I think he was wrestler of the year or, or something along those lines uh, um, for NXT, where this is a guy that's conflicting between the good in him and the bad in him. And throughout this match, you know, 
there was a time when he when he, when he was going to DDT um, ricochet onto the the concrete floor and he and he hesitated and that almost led to him losing. So they're able to tell a great story whilst also giving us you know an incredible fast paced match, which was just such a pleasure to watch. I love the bit at the end as well. I thought it was a really nice subtle bit was Johnny Gargano with the title saying, "I win," and that's the thing we hear. The Tommaso Ciampa say when he holds the title, "I win." Yeah, I I, th- I thought that was a, a really nice little touch. Yeah, it's it's those little things that they seem to to pay attention to, and even you know in the feud with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, you can see there's little things that they re- it's almost like they go back and watch their matches and then just recreate these moments that it it it, it helps you get more invested in them and. Obviously, I think we'll talk about the the ending of how the show ended. It's it's an exciting time to to be fans of either Gogano and Champa. Yeah, and guy, what did you make of this match? Then you've mentioned world class. I mean, it was it was incredible. Um, as I said, you know, I looked at the main roster, and there's very few people I think could have hung with these two guys doing what they were doing. I mean, I, I'd love personally, I'd love to see AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Daniel Bryan. Um, Seth Rollins in, in a match with Ricochet. Uh, just uh, they're the only ones off the top of my head that I I could see really hang with likes of Ricochet uh, working this type of a match because oh I I just I really enjoyed it for every reason that uh, to do were listed. It was perfection. Um, I, it really surprised me at the start. I was kind of expecting. Alistair Black v Gargano pace where it was literally 600 million miles an hour from start to finish where the start of it was so deliberate and so paced it was just um, it just added to the story and obviously it kind of just eru- it just kind of erupted like a quarter into the match and just went nah fuck it we'll just go as fast as we can and it was it was just utter perfection um, it was it was just everything we expected and, and more um, Andy um and the and the fact that it, it we're, we're going to probably see it again with a fucking rematch, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I I I agree with everything. The storytelling was elite. I didn't expect it to have this elite storytelling. I mean, it's been going on for what two odd years now. This this character arc of of Johnny Gargano turning from um, conquering his demons of Tommaso Ciampa and then becoming Tommaso Ciampa it's just it's just next level it is just next level storytelling and you'll you'll never see you'll never see this topped on on NXT on WWE and when the main roster eventually tries to recreate it it'll just be shit um we we know this so you just got you just got to breathe this match in this is a match you could you could watch at any point and just go that's fucking amazing um, yeah, and I I agree. I mean, Ricochet. Obviously, Johnny Gargano's not quite big, but I mean, Ricochet. I'm not sure how big he actually is, but he seems to be the whole package. He's, he's like a stocky fucking <laughs> bloke, and he can do all this mad shit. It's just he he seems like the perfect, but he just seems perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was proper incredible. Fan, proper fan in there. <laughs> <laughs> what about Champa and Alistair Black then? Because this was a match I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed as well, but for different reasons to Ricochet and Gargano, 
I what I really liked with Alistair Black and Champa, it, it wasn't you know that the mad hundred miles an hour and and spots and things like that. It for me it was more about sort of old school psychology storytelling. I you know working, uh, pick you know getting an injury, working on an injury, the way that they, they did this with each other, I, I thought it just played into both characters and it, and it was, you know, it was so much about the belt. It was, it just, as an old school wrestling fan, I loved that this was a really great old school match done beautifully. Yeah. I mean, the, the mentality of, or the classic style of working a match where you've obviously targeted an injury and stuff like that, I mean, this is probably the perfect weekend. We kind of seen it done perfectly in this match, where it, it kind of worked into it with Alistair Black selling it perfectly, and then you uh, you look at the main roster match between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. It was kind of overdone and a bit shit in comparison, um, for in in my opinion. And this one, it just seemed to to add to the match rather than take away from it. And the best thing about it, I think it kept Tommaso Ciampa looking fucking brilliant. And it may it, it it still made Alistair Black look like an absolute beast. Still, I mean the 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 fate to Black he actually hit. Jesus Christ, you could feel that. You could you could feel you could feel that just by the sound of the bastard. Um, and yeah, I thought it was per- it was it was, it just did it didn't reach the level of the uh, the match two two matches previous in the one we just mentioned. Um, but it just again it just added to the story. Alistair Black's still a star. Tommaso Champ is one of the best, if not the best, character in the company. It, it just it just keeps NXT ticking over perfectly, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm pro- they're probably not done with this story. Obviously, they've got that halftime thing. I think it's meant to be the Super Bowl halftime, some shit, um, where we got got the end of the end of the show with them having the uh, titles and then the brawl afterwards, which was on WWE.com. Um, but yeah, the story just keeps going and and the fact that we don't have to wait that long to see Alistair Black, um, Ricochet, Velveteen versus Adam Cole and DIY. Oh my God. <laughs> um, the whole, the whole, sh- the, the, well, the three matches we mentioned were world class, but the storytelling throughout was perfect, I think. Uh, to do with, did you enjoy the, the psychology in this match? And uh, do you think Ballister Black is, is harmed in any way by taking by taking the pin? Um, I'll, I'll start probably with the the fact of taking the pin. I think he's probably one of the guys that's due to be coming up to the main roster or to two or five live, whichever whichever one soon. And and he's been rumored to be coming up for quite a while. So. If he goes out here, it, it would make sense because most people do, you know, seem to go out on their back and then head into, in on, onto the main roster. So I could, I could old school territory. Sorry yes, to put in definitely. there, old school territory. And 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 we've seen it throughout. You know, it, just to to go back to to the rumble. You know, Becky going out on her back possibly to go to Raw. You know, just, just another nod to that old school style. Uh, I do like that 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 touch. Um, but I think in terms of the psychology, that was probably the important thing for this match because the previous matches we had were pretty blockbuster, uh, high impact, you know, in, insane matches. And then this one was probably more stylistically similar to a main, main roster match, um, but played with a lot of psychology, which I think helped move the match along quite well. You know, we had small things like Champa, you know, when when 
black connected with that black mass and Champa just rolls onto his side to prevent, you know, the pin from happening. It's something so small, but psychologically it makes so much sense that I'm not going to have the strength to kick out, you know, if he gets a deep pin on me and his whole body weight is on me. But if I roll onto my side, I know for a fact he doesn't have enough energy to roll me back, you know, take that dead weight back to pinning my my shoulders to the mat and then pinning me. So it's these small little things that that you can really appreciate from from a match like this. Um, and then I thought there, there there were a few good psychological things in terms of you know working the working the leg and the amount of times that we've seen in previous match. I know, for example, I've seen in a Shinsuke Nakamura match where his knee has been worked over and then all of a sudden he's throwing about like 30 knees, you know, when he's getting his comeuppance. Whereas in this match, Black tried to use his leg, but he clearly couldn't because of the injuries. I I, I did like that part. And it obviously led to his downfall because he he got caught with that you know, those last fairy tale endings because of his failure to be able to land that final black mass. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it's it's just so good, isn't it, when when you use consistent logical booking throughout a match and in two guys who can tell a story and not only tell a story but keep to that story all the way through to the very end. It's just so smart. Even, even, and you know, this is something else. Is that whole you know when the camera goes off and we you know we hit get the behind the scenes stuff and that lead into this this halftime match. You know, you're you're seeing the shots backstage and you've got. Alistair Black sort of hopping on one leg, limping. So Alistair Black is still selling the injury, you know, 10, 15 minutes after the match is finished. So, yeah, it's really, really smart stuff and just the kind of stuff that I really like. So, uh, yeah, it's more more great stuff from, from takeover matches, which is what we expect. So heading back into the whole Rumble card then, Briefly, very, very briefly, but we will mention it because it does have a little bit of significance, is some of the pre-show stuff, Guy. Um, 
the cruiserweight championship i don't think there's any real significance in that it was just a fun match it was good to witness mm. it, it it was fun what we expected but in yeah. terms of actual significance um the the uh, the us title uh changing nakamura taking the title back from from rusev i'm not sure what significance that has i'm not really a big fan of that but the spot in it that actually was going to be used later was the whole you know the the, the what they used for the finish lana gets hurt and then lana carries that injury into the women's rumble that in itself was was you know ooh. <laughs> At WWE, starting to learn some little lessons here on the main roster. Hmm, possibly. <laughs> I think the fact that it was kind of hidden in a very bad match between Rusev and Shinsuke didn't help. Um, yeah, I mean it was quite clever the way they did it. I mean everyone was kind of expecting Becky Lynch to come out, and they did it really well. Um. That's probably the best thing to say. I mean, the fact that um, Nakamura's won the um, US title, I mean, probably more promising than Rusev, I think it's fair to say at this uh, this point. Um, but I, I think we've mentioned it a few times. You can't read... There's no one to feud with on SmackDown. <laughs> there's no faces. It's just no, old people. Unless... The, the only thing I could take from that is, in the Rumble... Um, if I remember rightly, didn't we get a little bit of some, something there be- Oh no, no, forget, forget it. I'm, I'm getting muddled up in my old age. I, I thought we seen something between um, C and Almas, and I'm getting all muddled up. There was something somewhere in there with Nakamura and someone. Oh, that was it, Mustafa Ali. I, mm. I, that was it. Mustafa Ali was the one who had a little bit of uh, to and fro with him. Uh, and I do wonder whether maybe that's that's going to be the next step. Mm. Using if they get him and Joe involved. Him and Joe involved, that could re- resurrect the US title, I imagine. There we go. <clears throat> at least at least with Joe doing a lot of the talking, we've got something interesting mm. to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, and obviously NXT feud back back yeah. uh, from the dead as well. But yeah. And and the other thing from the pre show was a hastily thrown together oh, raw tag sake. team title match, which was awful. Um, why the hell would they bring out one half of the AOP because the other half is injured? Uh, and then sh- shove half of the revival with him. Um, I, I, for me, this does it. It hurts both AOP and revival. Unless this was in some way some kind of punishment for revival, I've I've no idea. But I thought this was bloody awful. Yeah, I'm glad it was that early on the pre-show that nobody watched it. <laughs> it was bloody terrible, terrible. Yeah. And today, we briefly your thoughts on on those little moments from the pre-show. Yeah, I, I think that tag match it it just didn't make sense to me. Um, but it was interesting that it was um, obviously the revival. Um, Scott Dawson from the revival, who probably hasn't been as vocal uh, um, as 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 his partner in you know having his tweets more prominent about you know fighting. Um, the young bucks at some point in time and flirting with the the possibility of heading that way. So yeah, and Dash Wilder, was... sorry, and Dash Wilder changing his um his his Twitter name to his actual real life name as well. Yes, exactly. So so I wonder if that that was um some 
it, it contributed to the thinking of this match. But in terms of, okay, fine, there were at least stakes in this match and that, you know, if they win, they may get championship opportunities or, but just don't put your, your stars in, in a position like this, especially considering that you're going to make them lose. So it ends up being no point in having a match like this at all. And then this is meant to be a, a division that they're meant to now be trying to, you know, put a fire under. And, you know, allegedly, they, they, once the revival asked for their release, they were told, you know, give us about four months and then, you know, make your decision then. I doubt this is helping. I, I really doubt this is helping. Um, maybe they're probably wishing they were on SmackDown because I, I assume... If you have the titles on on a McMahon, you're probably going to focus on on them. So, well, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the revival and even you know Akam and Razar, who were hot properties in NXT. They've just fallen down the wayside and on the main roster, and it's such a shame. I don't know if they have to restart them again or how they're going to get them out of this funk. Yeah, I, I, I'm a lover of tag team wrestling, so I hate what they're doing uh, the, with the whole tag team division. It's just so mismanaged. Uh, um, but anyway, so Becky Lynch started the uh, the main the main card. Becky Lynch, Asuka, I I thought this this was a cracking match. Adewa. I thought they were really really good to and fro. Loved the um, the whole working submissions with each other. Um, the finish though. I personally, I, I think there was a good shout from Bully Ray who said would have made more sense for rather than um, Becky to actually tap out for her just to pass out. That way, Asuka still looks strong, but Becky hasn't tapped out. Uh, it's just that little bit of psychology. Yeah, it, it, I, I could definitely see it coming that way. Um, and that probably would have worked out. I, I was hoping... A similar situation, you know, for when Bianca Belair fought, and obviously that that happened. But I thought the the storytelling of the match seemed to be, you know, I've got bigger balls than you do. So for them to continue try and one up each other with submission moves um, and and some crazy power moves that they were attempting, it 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 made sense for me that Oscar won via submission, but not through the usual Ascalot, she had to do some sort of bridge with it. And I think the way I saw the tap was that Becky was saying, look, um, we've been kicking out of each other's submissions and doing reversals throughout the match. It just so happened with this new version maybe of the, of, of the lock, Becky at some point in time figured out while she was in that lock, okay, I can't get out of this move. And it brings a little bit of reality to me um, and brings some of maybe that... Um, MMA factor into it of okay I'm in a submission hold which I clearly can't get out of I'd rather tap here than necessarily get you know my arm broken and be out for six months and and miss my mania moment or something like that so um, I think I thought it was a calculated move from from Becky that that's how I saw it from my perspective I don't, I don't know if you guys saw it that way as well but it was more of a acknowledging that I can't get out of this move so I'm tapping you know to it's going to hurt in the short term, but it's saving me long term because I don't want to be out for 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 another another big match like like I was in Survivor Series. Um, and then obviously with the booking of of the night as a whole, it ends up being the right decision to have tapped out, um, opposed to let's say if she had broken her arm, then she doesn't have a chance of of getting into that Rumble match at all. Interesting, interesting take. What was what was your take on things, then, guy? Um. 
I can't. I kind of agree with today. I think he's worded it quite well. Um, I I think we were talking about in the WhatsApp group, <clears throat> and I I said, I think that'll be forgotten pretty pretty soonish <laughs> in a couple hours or so, and um, it was. It really was. Um, <clears throat> um, I think they'll probably address that on SmackDown. I think it's kind of similar to when Rollins cashed in his money in the bank. Obviously, he lost to Randy Orton, and then he walked out WWE champion. Obviously, they went on to have a feud, Randy Orton and, and Seth Rollins. But uh, I think it's kind of similar to that. I think it'll soon be forgotten. Maybe unfinished business with Oscar there, and obviously them two have got, possibly not for the championship, but they've got to keep themselves busy to WrestleMania. Um so yeah, I mean, I think it, I think that's a continuing story, and if Becky goes over to Raw, um, I mean, it, it all it, all it's done is legitimise Asuka's. It it's taken far too long to do that, but she's finally been legitimised by one one of the top three or four women in the division, and now Oscar, you can think she's a badass. Mm, yeah, that's a, the uh, the Rollins comparison is a good one as well. So, what of the Raw Women's Championship match then? Because I felt this was probably, uh, well, actually not probably it, for me. It was absolutely uh, Ronda Rousey's best match so far. Uh, I thought uh, we saw just why Sasha Banks is is so damn good in the ring. This was a really really good, uh, well paced match for me. They've really wasted Sasha Banks for this year or last year. <laughs> that's that's what I took out of that match. Um, yeah, it was definitely Ronda's best match. She she, she didn't like the crowd <laughs> um, at the start, said she couldn't wrestle. Just in just on that guy, do you think that was intentional? Maybe there's a little bit. You know, they've been picking up that the, there has been a little bit of a turn from the crowd in in recent months maybe that's a, an intentional thing that they're going to slightly tweak her and, and move her subtly move her towards more of a heel character given that you know becky is so over as a baby face yeah it makes sense doesn't it i think i said it when she originally came in the company i thought she'd probably be a better heel um and i still think that i think you can you kind of saw it in that match. It was kind of a flash of aggression and frustration, and um, yeah, this got Becky so beloved, where I'm the fucking national hero. I think she got a silver or whatever, whatever. Uh, I, I think it's an easy storyline to tell, and I think it'll be, be I think it'll be good character development for Ronda, because I mean, if she just goes around battering everyone, breaking people, I know she's doing that now, but if she just does it. <laughs> she starts doing it on Raw and stuff um, to fan favourites. I think it'll be a perfect way to to book the feud, and um, yeah, I mean, if if we get Ronda in in a WrestleMania match, whether it's with one in in Becky or two with Charlotte as well, she's going to have two elite workers at WrestleMania to work with. And I mean, Sasha's definitely on on, on that level. I mean, it, it it's just mouth mouth watering the prospects of of what the WrestleMania match could be. Mm. Uh, and today, were what? What do you think next for for Sasha then coming out of this? Because I thought it was a great performance. Really um, showcased how good she is. And and we had that little bit at the end after the match with the four fingers and all that. You think that's setting up for the future? So what what was your take on the whole the Sasha side of it and them little subtle things on uh, on Ronda that uh, myself and Guy have discussed there? Yeah, I think you guys summed it up quite nicely. And I do think it is a shame. I think it's over five hundred days, if I'm not mistaken, since Sasha was involved in a singles match for the title. 
which, which I think is criminal if you consider, you know, the the stuff she's able to do and even the great feud she had with Charlotte um, on all those, you know, pay-per-views and Raw matches. So for her to be out of the loop for so long is, is such a shame. And she showed in this match the reason why she she needs to be considered for, for the big events. And um, I think, you know, in terms of Ronda and, and where she goes, I, I do think giving her a little bit more of an attitude, a little bit more of, a, an, of an edge um, will help um, the match at, at Mania, whether it's a triple threat or it's just her and, and Becky Lynch, because um, obviously due to the rumble, I think Charlotte's going to sneak her way into that match. Say, you know, by saying Becky shouldn't have even been in the in the rumble, and that's that's how they they work that into a triple threat. Um, but in terms of Ronda, you know, there are the rumors that she she might be leaving WWE at uh, after Mania. Um, whether she wants to start her family. Um, with her husband or if she stays, it will be interesting to see. And I think how long Rhonda stays or when she leaves and when she's hopefully planning on coming back will dictate maybe that subtle, you know, four horse, four horse woman sign that Sasha gave um, at the end of the match. Uh, I think Shayna Baszler is definitely ready. I, th- I think she she could definitely go if if it was asked to be to happen at Mania or, or maybe even at Survivor Series this year. But in terms of Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke, they they're still a bit green. They 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 they're working, you know, a lot of live events and getting those reps in, and obviously working at the Performance Center. So obviously they're trying as, as hard as they can to to get as ready as quickly as possible. Possible, but I still think they they've got a little bit of a way to go. Like I said, maybe Survivor Series, but I think that could be a stretch. Um, but possibly, you know, WrestleMania 2020 uh, have have a four horsemen versus four horsewoman match. I think that could could work well in that. You know, Ronda goes on to Mania, you know, loses to Becky, goes away for a little bit, and Shayna Baszler actually gets her call up then and steps into that Ronda Rousey, uh, you know, position. And and she has a dominant run for a year, and maybe that crescendo is with a four horsewoman versus four horsewoman. It would have also allowed, you know, the other girls to to get up to speed with with some of the the wrestling that they've been asked to do. Um, in terms of where Sasha goes from here, I think it's pretty uh, clear to me that her and Bailey are going to go on to the tag division now, the women's mm. tag division, and spearhead that. Whether they are the first champions or they they end up chasing, maybe you get like a, um, and <laughs> I, I I laugh, but anyway, um, maybe you get like a Nia Jax and and Tamina as as the big um, menacing champions, and then you have Becky and um, you have Bailey and Sasha chasing at Mania, and they get their crowning moment then. But I I do see. Uh, Sasha and and Bailey moving on to that that uh, women's tag team division and just destroying people. They are. I hope they get a really long run as the champions and and they get rewarded for for the patience they've shown throughout these last two years. Yeah, I, I, I'll go along with that and and I do like the shouts from you there on uh, the whole Ronda and Shayna Baszler thing. What about this uh, tag, this SmackDown tag title thing? Then uh, Miz and Shane McMahon versus the Bar, um, and Guy, I'm sure Guy will be chuckling in the background to do. Uh, um, he'll know exactly what my thoughts were on this because I, I I hated it. But um, how how did you take this tag match? 
Um, I, I, I took it for what it was. To be to be honest, I, I I saw what was coming, so I didn't really. The only thing that would upset me more than any anything else with this match is the fact that you have guys like you know the Good Brothers, Sanity, the Usos, you know tag teams that have got so much potential who aren't even close to the picture of of, of the tag team titles. That would probably be my my biggest gripe with it, but. In terms of what they're doing with it, maybe hopefully it means they they, they add more emphasis to 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 that the, those titles, and then I'm sure Miz will get a, a few great segments out of Shane um, with those belts. So I, I think I, I think Miz can can take this quite far. Um, he's shown that whenever he's been given the ball, he's been able to run with it, and and he's been a good company guy. And then obviously Shane. Just the crazy thing for me was Shane doing that um, shooting star press. I mean, at, at at his age, my God, he should not be pulling something off like that. And I was scared he was going to Brock Lesnar it at some point in time, but but he seemed to pull it off. So credit to him. And then um, I thought it was a nice touch that you know Shane gave the belt to Mrs. Dad, and they were all celebrating together. That's a nice you know touch to the to the story itself and and why they became a tag team. Um, but yeah, in terms of the competitiveness that it's going to take this tag division, I always saw it's the SmackDown tag team as the real tag team division. They, they seem to always pull off some really great matches. And I wonder if it's going to lose a bit of that seriousness and that aggressive nature of it where, where with Shane and the Miz as, as the champions. Yeah. I, personally, I just don't need to see Shane McMahon in the ring. I really, really don't need to see that at all. Uh, I'm, I'm just not a fan. My thing, Guy, is as much as anything is, and Otto D was mentioned there, this could put focus on the tag division. I, I, I really think that what we're going to get is Miz and Shane McMahon in a one-on-one a one -on -one match at WrestleMania, and this is going to be a hurriedly put-together storyline. And this is it, you know, getting ready, and they're going to trigger, they'll split, and then we'll get them in a match. And, and I just feel like the tag team division has been a prop, and the belts have been a prop in setting up a storyline between Shane McMahon and the Miz. And, and I, as much as <laughs> I don't like seeing Shane McMahon in the ring, I really don't like the tag team division being used as a prop like that. Well, at least we have a piss break for WrestleMania side. <laughs> oh, we'll get a few of them. <laughs> um, I think there's two ways you got to look at this. Um, the match itself was actually quite good. It had some good spot. I mean, the shooting star press was mental. Um, considering Shane McMahon nearly dies every time he does anything nowadays. Um, the um, coast to coast into the big swing was pretty good. I, like, I thought the match was actually quite good. It's just, as Tadewa mentioned, the ramifications of that tag team division. I mean, we've had a couple of years ago, we had the best feud in the company in, in the Usos v New Day. Um, we've had the bar come, I know they were mainly on Raw, and then they've kind of, kind of just about came back into life on SmackDown now, and um, and as you said, we we've uh, we've not seen Sanity, we've not seen the the Good Brothers, and um, the Blood well the Bludgeon Brothers that seemingly won't be coming back now unless Luke Harper's going to get in on that uh, weird thing we'll mention soon. Um, it it just it just seems like as you mentioned a prop, and I don't really like that. I, I think I mean just look at the bar. In in two of the 
big free... I can't remember what they did at SummerSlam. In two of the big free pay-per-views, they lost a Braun Strowman and a fa- an 11-year-old kid. And then they lost to Shane McMahon and The Miz. The bar's been probably them and the Uso. They've probably been the best tag team in, in the company for two, three years. Probably even more. And... Um, it's just it's just a shame. It's just a shame, and it's just a, like a it's a polar opposite of how NXT treats the tag team division. It's just a bit of disappointing, and um, I, I I hope the bar get the titles back, and then we can kind of build to something else. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a frustration when you've got, like you say, you've got Gallows and Anderson, you've got Sanity sat there, not used on TV, not used at all. It's just such a waste. But I'm not going to go into one of my tag team division rants right now. Because uh, we have to move on. What you've mentioned there, uh, Luke Harper the, and Eric Rowan, the Bludgeon Brothers. So, so what about AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan? Um, it, it was a good match. I don't think it was quite as good as what we've seen before from them. I don't know, perhaps because you know the first half of the of the pay per view was was almost like a women's pay per view, and then the second half almost like a men's pay per view. But with the time, I wonder whether they were chopping time away, and it it wasn't. I don't know. It didn't quite flow as nicely for me. And then that ending, guy, I, I just found the ending a bit a little bit weird. Yeah, I thought the match was a bit clunky. Um, obviously, as I mentioned in the uh, Tommaso Ciampa bit, the, the injury angle, uh, it just kind of made it, I don't know, it just didn't really work for me. And yeah, the ending, as soon as, soon as you like, kind of look, you, you know when people are interfering, you see, you like you look at the crowd and everyone's looking at the ramp rather than the ring, you're like, oh, something's going to happen. And then it's, then it's Eric Roy and it's like, it's not even the good one of the fucking Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the the, the little the um, the little clue is the fact that the ramp was sort of I don't know it was about half a mile long, so they had a good five minutes of looking to see <laughs> yeah. who was coming before anything actually happened. I know. Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, Eric Rhodes, he's he's not the talented one. I mean, if it, if it gets a, another singles run for Luke Harper, I'm happy with that. <laughs> I mean, we've seen him in the in the mid card before, as in the Continental Champion, and it was quite good. So yeah, happy days with that. But it, I think we'll have to wait for SmackDown and see how that develops because I'm I'm not sure. I know heels have muscle and stuff like that, but I mean, I don't think Daniel Bryan's the kind of one who needs an enforcer. But let's see how it goes. I suppose. Uh, and to do how about this then uh, as much as you know I, I thought the match was was good in parts but not as as good as what we've seen before from these and, and certainly not as good as these two are capable of uh, and the whole thing with the finish do, do we maybe see Luke Harper join this and then we get um, AJ Styles with uh, Gallows and Anderson up against Daniel Bryan with the uh, formerly known as Bludgeon Brothers um, yeah, well, first of all, the match itself, I do think it suffered a bit because it, of, of placement. It was just after the women's rumble and, you know, the fans had been so excited about Becky winning and, and that actually coming off that they basically had no energy for this match. Um, and you could see, you know, maybe if they if they doctored in some sound, maybe we might have perceived the match a bit better than, than how it came across. But... Um, I do think it didn't help that 
I don't, I don't know if, if I was the only one that thought this, but it felt like with some of the matches, they were told you have to go a certain amount of time. And this felt like one of those matches they were told, you know, you have to go for 25 minutes or, or however long they went for. I think they went about 24 minutes in this match. And there was a lot of, you know, slow paced things that really don't need to be in a Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles match. I think if you just cut that time even to 15 minutes and say, just go all out, it would be a far better match um, compared to the one we did see. But obviously, with placements and and booking of an entire show, they, they were required to work the style of match. Um, in terms of the future for, you know, Daniel Bryan and potentially a, having a, a posse with him, first and foremost, if um, if Eric Rowan doesn't come out on, on, on Tuesday on SmackDown and, you know, his first lines should be, I'm no longer a sheep. And, and that should just like finish that off or, or at least give some sort of nod to the fact that he's been wearing a sheep mask for the best part of his career in the WWE. Um, he seemed to be not a bludgeon brother, brother, which thank God, you know, I, I hope that that part of their, their tag team is over, even if they are still a tag team, but just not the bludgeon brother. I, I, I think that that was a bit of a miss. Um, but you did see, you know, even the way he was dressed, the flannel shirt, you know, the Converse sneakers. Um, I, I think he might just be a henchman. And then, as guys alluded to, if, if that leads to Luke Hopper getting a, a singles push, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that. Or even, you know, having them both as his henchmen. I do think if you if you bring the Bullet Club together. Um, or the club together again um that that could be an interesting feud and we do have to remember you know aj stars the rumors are he is possibly now going to resign with wwe so you know and and we know he was asking for less lesser dates and and getting a little bit more time to spend with his family but if he is able to rope in the good brothers and and then we have a three-on-three type of feud with the with the wwe title on the line, I think they they could do a lot of fun stuff there. Yeah, I, I suspect it would be something that just kind of ties us over and takes us uh, a little bit closer to to Mania. Uh, and obviously, you we've yet to see quite how that uh, title picture is, is going to plan out until we get Raw and SmackDown this week and then see what developments we might get. But but what if um, if Brock Lesnar and and Finn Balor then it wasn't the Demon. Uh, to do, I think you met, you actually mentioned in the WhatsApp group that you'd done an interview uh, where he kind of let basically let slip. But you know, we're not going to see the demon. It wasn't a long match. It was it was less than ten minutes, but I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, by the looks of it, I think Brock Lesnar enjoyed himself. Uh, these guys worked it so well together. Brock just works better with smaller guys, and, and this was this was you, you know your classic. David and Goliath, but the, I thought both guys just did it to absolute perfection. Yeah, and and this is the type of match you probably have to book if you if you have a Brock Lesnar versus a, a smaller competitor. And as you've said, Brock did seem to enjoy this one. And we've seen when Brock is motivated, he can pull off a really really good match. And he just reminds us again why we we love the spectacle that is Brock Lesnar. Um, I think you know. I, I think it was two years ago or so, Mania, where um, he fought against Ambrose, and Ambrose afterwards said Brock didn't want to do anything. He he was giving me nothing, and he refused to 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 solve for me or anything like that. So I'm just glad that Brock was motivated for this one because it it just made the match so much more interesting. 
Um, in terms of the way Finn went about it, I think it was the right way. We've seen the tactics from AJ and Daniel Bryan beforehand of just going full blast at, at, at Brock and trying to use your quickness. And, and I thought that really helped. Um, obviously, the divertil- um, divertilitis came, came back um, to devastating effect for Brock when, when he hit the when he hit the announcers table and he sold a lot. And this was actually the second time in, in less than seven days where Brock has saved Sin's life. Cause Sin, I think went for a topic and he, and he, he was a bit short and Brock actually lent into it to, to help him, um, to, 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 to help him stick it. And, and we saw it on raw last week as well, where Brock did the same thing. And, um, yeah, so it was good to see a motivated Brock, uh, I'd, in terms of Finn Balor, though, I, I don't know if I would have booked the, the build-up to this match the way they did if you knew that Finn wasn't going to be winning because Vince sort of buried him by saying, you know, I definitely don't believe you have a chance of even beating Brock. And then uh, this match ends so suddenly with that with that Kimura lock. I think, um, I might be wrong, but I think technically it's a double-risk lock. But if, if Brock Lesnar is calling it a Kimura lock, I'm, I'm not going to argue with him. We'll call it a Kimura lock. But um, I do think maybe they shouldn't have buried Finn as much of, in terms of either you have to win this or we approved right that you never had a chance and, and you showed us that. Guy, enjoy the match. And I I, I was also impressed with, with the selling of Brock Lesnar. Like you say, you know, the two the two um, collisions into the corner of the table that I was impressed with the, um, the commentators bringing up the diverticulitis in there, but the, not only the selling of Brock, but I think the important in this as well was the selling of Paul Heyman on the outside that you actually felt that, uh, that Lesnar was in peril here, that, that uh, Bala had an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, I mean, the, the spectacle of Brock Lesnar, I mean, it's only matched by the, spe- the, the the spectacle of Paul Herman. I mean, as soon as Brock Lesnar comes back, you're like, yay, Paul Herman's back. Uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, as you, as you both have rightly said, it motivated Brock Lesnar, and I, I think it's been rumoured or confirmed rumours by whoever that Brock wanted to fight Finn a couple of years ago, but Finn wasn't over enough. And um, now, now he's got this opportunity, and I thought it was really good. And um, we we've seen in the past that is that Brock's best matches. He obviously likes working with the people. I mean, AJ, you could see you could see then CM Punk back in the day. Um, you could naturally see why he'd want to work there. And Finn, I mean, there's quite a lot of Japanese influence here. I mean, if you worked in New Japan, maybe Brock really likes New Japan wrestling. <laughs> um, but. Um, that's how you should use Brock Lesnar. I mean, we've seen the shit matches with Strowman, we've seen the disappointing matches with Reigns, and um, I've got a bone to pick with you now, Tadiwa. You've reminded me of that horrendous WrestleMania match with fucking Ambrose. (laughs) (laughs) I completely, I forgot that actually happened. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah, but, I mean, I really enjoy, and, and the, the weird thing for me was the beatdown afterwards, because that kind of just hints that there could be a future there, and obviously we didn't see the demon this time. I'm not saying I'm expecting yeah. Finn to go on and win now, but I mean, if we ever see yeah. a rematch, whether it's for the title or whatever, 
I, well, there's something there. <laughs> yeah, you you beat me to it. I was actually just going to say. I mean, today we mentioned, you know, what what next for for Finn Balor. Now, what about because we didn't get the demon here? Is there a possibility then that we get the demon at WrestleMania that we see Lesnar and Finn Balor, the demon Finn Balor at WrestleMania? We get a title switch there. And Rollins, rather, everyone's expecting Rollins to go after Lesnar. What if Rollins decides that he's going to go after Daniel Bryan? That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because as we, as I mentioned earlier on, SmackDown's top end um, roster is pretty much done at AJ Styles v v Bryan at the minute. You can't see anyone else. I mean, there's, there's you, can, you can see little hints of him maybe turning Randy Orton face again, but that'd just be fucking God, no. awful. Um, and um, yeah, I mean that makes hell of a lot of sense. And whether it's whether you can get Finn in in there with a triple threat with Seth Rollins, that still makes sense. But I mean, there's definitely something still in that feud with Brock Lesnar, and I'm sure many everyone would want to see it again because that even if it goes a bit long, whether it's 15 minutes, I mean Brock doesn't really do that long unless it's a multi-man match. But it's there's it, something that and and if a demon. Uh, dethrones Lesnar. That would be such a brilliant moment. Yeah, and to do, I mean, in terms of the women's one, I mean, it's pretty obvious that we know uh, that Becky Lynch is going to go after Ronda Rousey, but in terms of the, the men's one then, is this a possibility that Seth Rollins, we, we get a bit of a swerve here, rather than, you know, the expectation of him just going after the Universal title just be, because he's on Raw? Do we maybe see Seth Rollins say, I want Daniel Bryan, and then we do get that facilitation in terms of a demon baller against uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It would be very interesting. And I think it would be nice to have a rumble winner on either, on both shows. So if you have, you know what we assume as Becky moving over to raw to challenge Ronda Rousey, and then you have Seth Rollins moving the other way, then at least, you know, that that plays into building up mania with the rumble winners on both shows I, I think that could play well and as you said you know i mentioned that you know the match ended quite abruptly but because it ended quite abruptly and brock was selling so much as you guys have mentioned it does leave something there that while if finn was the demon he probably you know it makes it a bit more believable maybe that you know if finn can take him this close then what could the demon do but we haven't seen the demon in so long. It hasn't even been mentioned. So I wonder if that's still even a, a character they're willing to bring out. Uh, God forbid it's not, but I'm just I'm just worried if if that comes into the thinking there. But he used him against Corbin, didn't he? Yes, yes, yeah. I, th- I think so. I think so. Yes, but um, but they they hardly mention it in on 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 WWE TV, or maybe it's just one of those things that comes as a surprise. But if they were to build it up. Uh, as you know, there's this alter ego of his coming out to to challenge Brock Lesnar. I think that could really be fun, and and you could make a superstar out of beating Brock Lesnar because we know Seth Rollins is a superstar, and for him beating Brock, yes, you know, we finally get the title week in week out on 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 the weekly shows and stuff like that. But I think you could make a big star and really push Finn up the ladder by having him taking it from Brock, as, as you've suggested. And then also we have to remember Brock's flirtation with the UFC constantly going on. Um, his suspension is not over. It's just, uh, I think he has to pay a fine. And then once he's paid that fine, he will be cleared. But I, I, 
last I checked, he hadn't played the fine yet. And it's been over, I think, just over a few couple of weeks. And he still hasn't paid that fine. But I'm sure for a Brock Lesnar, it's not like he's gawking at the amount of money they're asking for. He can pay that fine any time. And then does he then actually move on to a USC appearance or two after Mania? That also, I think, plays into it a bit. Yeah, I I suspect there's a, an intentional time in there. They'll wait. Maybe they, he waits to pay the fine till after Mania because he knows exactly what the uh, the speculation is going to be. Perhaps it's a WWE driven thing that you know, just don't pay it until after because <laughs> otherwise it kind of gives away exactly what might be coming down the road. Uh, and I did think he looked a little bit trimmer. So uh, who knows? Um, the other thing in there, obviously, we've got Elimination Chamber up, so there's plenty of opportunity to push Finn Balor, and perhaps we, you know, we get dropped the whole demon thing just in the go home show on Raw ahead of of them fighting at Mania. There's so many different possibilities. And guy, another one is I've always said, or I've long said that I I, I thought there would, there would be they'll find a way of of giving us Brock versus AJ at uh, at WrestleMania. So you know there's there are still very different possibilities uh, that we might uh, that we might see in the in the lead up to WrestleMania i think the aj one's getting tougher by the week cuz i don't i doubt brock's going to work before wrestlemania now uh unless there's something i've completely missed but uh, i mean the only thing you could see if they did storyline wise you say Seth Rollins not traded, but say he wants to fight Brian, then Rod have to go. Well, we need to trade him for someone, and then like, you could probably do that with the women's as well, and that's how you could fix the uh, Asuka first nobody at the minute situation, I suppose. So, I mean, it could work like that, but I think, I think the AJ thing is just getting. I think it's getting more difficult at, um, at the minute. Yeah, I think that's that's fair enough. I do think we'll see it at some point. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, it's one of them. Maybe they'll do it at WrestleMania down the road or or it'll be a SummerSlam match or something like that. But um, I think they're purposely saving that one for for a reason anyway. Uh, right. So we're, we're pretty much out of time. But to wrap things up, uh, I'll come to you both. What did you think was the better uh, actual event, the Royal Rumble event or the NXT TakeOver event? Um, to do it as our guest, I will come to you first. Oof, the problem with the Rumble is is the the length of it. Hey, but uh, it is probably my favorite or um, show of the year. So I, I think I'm going to go with Rumble over Takeover just because I, I enjoy the Rumble matches. Mm-hmm. And guy, I, I know we we yeah, consistently uh, take over uh, above any uh, main roster event, but uh, which was your favorite from this particular weekend? Uh, takeover. <laughs> for for obvious <laughs> for obvious ricochet v gargano reasons <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go with tadiwa actually i think for the first time for as long as i can remember i actually felt that the main roster event was the better of the two and, and as much as takeover had three fantastic matches i felt it it was it was an event with matches in isolation and i didn't feel we get Although there was storytelling in matches, I didn't feel like we kind of got an overarching storyline development that we would normally get, you know, almost like a, a what's next. Maybe that's because they were just setting up for that whole halftime bonanza thing, whatever the hell they're calling it. 
Whereas the Royal Rumble, I think there was so much in I know it was too long, definitely, and there was some crap in there, but overall there were some great moments and 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 I've got a guy, I've got to go Royal Rumble over over takeover. Can you believe that? I've gone for a main roster event over a takeover. Disappointed in you, Andy. What why? <laughs> Disappointed. Uh, guys, um, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. With thank you so much for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And just a sh- short uh, shout out to Zelina Vega, who came out as Vega from Street Fighter. Um, I thought that was a good nod. Shout. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I do like it. And and guy, we'll be back um, sometime over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we're on the road to WrestleMania now. Everyone starts pointing at signs. Um, we've got the Elimination Chamber coming up, so I'm sure we'll have plenty to discuss in maybe a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I think Elimination. I think Elimination Chamber's in like two or three weeks, so we've got that to cover as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back. Eh? We'll be back yeah. to talk uh, the next week or the week after anyway. But uh, for now, that's it from us. So uh, thank you so much to each and every one of you for, for tuning in, for listening and downloading the podcast. As we always say, look, you can catch us on Twitter at PW underscore index is our handle on there. Do get in touch with us. We do like uh, your interaction. But uh, for now, for myself and Guy, and to do with this week, uh, this has been the Pro Wrestling Index on um, the Anfield Index podcast channel. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hi I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.